the first a good speaker of the house in Washington now that seems to be a Christian, and they went round and round and round uh, trying to get a new speaker, and when it was all dust settled, then we got a Christian in there, and so praise the Lord for that, and uh, so he's as good a guy as you could expect to get in that office, and so hopefully he'll be able to do a little bit of good up up in that office, although it depends on all the rest of the people. But anyway, uh, praise the Lord for that. And then one other point of good news. Does anybody know who the Prime Minister of England is right now? Well, he's an Indian guy. Now we have the Colonials ruling the empire. And he's an Indian guy by the name of Rishi Sunak. But the point of light with that is, is that he had the audacity to say in a speech there in England, in his big speech, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. How about that? And, uh, you know, here in America uh, and in Brazil, nobody wants to say anything like that. Uh, They get all mixed up. And he pledged to stop people from being bullied into accepting trans arguments. And he said it shouldn't be controversial to ensure parents are informed about what their children are doing. And it was common sense to say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And so that's pretty good. And he said also, voters must not be bullied into believing that people can be any sex they want to be. And so far as crime was concerned, he said a life sentence should mean life sentence. And uh, so anyway, he's uh, got some good stuff there. I don't know that he might be a Hindu or who knows what. But anyway, uh, praise the Lord that he's got some sense there to come out and say some good things. And so... Today we have Reformation Sunday. We're commemorating the great event of the Reformation, the greatest movement of God in extent in the history of the world, I dare say. And the Spirit of God moved across countries, across continents, across millions of people. And God worked a great work. Well, Let's go to our text in our Bible, uh, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and we read here about the persecution of the apostles for their preaching of the gospel and for them holding to the truth. And so we have back in verse 14 of chapter 5 of Acts, it says, Believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. And that got the rulers of the Jews very upset. And we're talking this morning about the right to preach, the freedom to preach the gospel. And that's a great freedom that we have today, and that comes to us as a direct result of the Reformation, the Reformation, that movement of God. And so here back in the book of Acts, at the beginning, uh, believers were added to the church, and then that got the government upset. And the government of the Jews, we have verse 17, Uh, They were filled with indignation, indignation because they were getting converts to the true gospel. And so what happened? They rose up persecution against the Jews. 
against the, the apostles, against the people that were preaching the truth here. And verse 18, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. And as Tim mentioned in Sunday school this morning, the prisons back in those days were not very good. And it says the common prison, which is the down low prison. And the apostles were put in there because they were preaching the gospel. It was against the law to preach the gospel. They put them in the common prison. But God had another thing in mind. We read this in our responsive reading, verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. You know, the angel of the Lord here told the apostles to do something that was illegal. It was illegal to preach there in Jerusalem at this time. It was against the rule of the government. And so there are certain times when we do need to disobey the government. When the government tells us to do things that are against God's word, uh, like when they want to close churches, that's against God's word. When they want to tell people not to preach, that's against God's word. We can't obey that. And there are limits to authority. And so they put the apostles in the common prison, but the angel opened the doors, told them to go stand and speak. And verse 21, and when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. And so they went out and taught, even though they knew that they were likely to get persecuted, that they were likely to get put in prison again. They were likely to be beaten or uh, be put to death even. And people were put to death back in those days for preaching the gospel, for giving out the good news. And you know, a lot of times with heathen governments, uh, they don't care as much if you worship God in, within the four walls of the church and you hold to the things yourselves, but when you go out and try to spread it around, that's when they get very upset. And that's how they got upset here in the time of the book of Acts at the beginning of the church. And so the uh, Sanhedrin, the government of the Jews, sent officers to bring the apostles out of the prison, and they didn't find them in there. And they were wondering what this would grow to, this story of the apostles disappearing out of the prison. And so finally, and as we ended up our responsive reading, uh, verse 25, one came and told them, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're doing that which is illegal. They were told by the angel to go out and do that, even though there would be persecution. And you know, that's a terrible thing. When to obey the word of God, you undergo persecution. It's a terrible thing to be put in prison, to be killed, to be beaten. Uh, for obeying, go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But that's what happened right here. And then we go on in this passage here, verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach 
in this name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew, and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So here, they accused the apostles of filling Jerusalem with this doctrine. And they were going to persecute them. And they said, you, you're bringing his blood upon us. And, and the apostles uh, went right, right forward and they said, ye slew him and hanged him on a tree. They were very bold in their witness, even though this persecution was looming over their heads. So here they give the fi fi famous scripture here, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's what we ought to do, obey God rather than men. There are limits to the authority of the government. You know, back with COVID, the government said that the churches had to be closed. Well, that was beyond the power of the government. And the churches have to be open. That's our freedom of religion that we have in this nation, in our Constitution. And that's what came about through the Reformation way back when. Well, going back to the Reformation, the Reformation was a great movement of God. You know, before the Reformation, of course, the Reformation happened 500 years ago, 1517 was when Martin Luther nailed his theses on the door of the church, and 500 years ago, before that, it was a time of great darkness. They called it the Middle Ages, the, the Dark Ages, and so... You know, under the Roman Catholic Church, there was a reign of terror to anybody that disagreed with the Roman Catholic Church. Anybody who taught anything different was persecuted and persecuted greatly. They had what they called the Inquisition. And the Inquisition is very famous through history. And when I was in Peru, I went to a museum of the Inquisition they had there and the place where they had the prison of the Inquisition. And they had the, the models of people being tortured and the, the cells where they were. And, and some of the cells were like shelves on the wall that people could just barely sit in these things. And they were their cells that they were in. And there was great persecution for anybody that raised a voice against the Roman Catholic Church. And so we have John Huss, we have Savonarola, we have... Uh, Wycliffe, who raised voices earlier on, and they ended up being persecuted and killed. Uh, Huss and Savonarola were burned at the stake, and Wycliffe, he got away without being burned at the stake, except that they burned his bones after he died. And you know, the thing is, is that it was a time of great dark darkness, and everything was subject to the false teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. The kings were subject. The kings came begging to the Roman Catholic Church for forgiveness and, 
And the Roman Catholic Church would, could put interdicts upon cities and, and remove from them all things of the church. And people feared that there was no salvation outside of the church before the Reformation. Only priests could determine what the Word of God said. Only the Roman Catholic Church could. And so if you said the Word of God said something other than the priests and the church said, well, you were persecuted and uh, were in bad shape. And there were all kinds of false doctrines being taught, doctrines of purgatory, of the Pope, of relics. You know, they had these relics. They had all these pieces of the true cross, and they would get down and bow before them. And uh, it was a terrible time. And, but God worked a fantastic work of the Reformation. And I have a, uh, a book that I brought with me this morning, and it's The Life Millennium. And put out by Time Life Books, put out around the year 2000, uh, tracing the history of the millennium before 2000, from 1000 to 2000. You know, in our study of Revelation, we went through the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. Well, there's, there was a millennium just before now, from 1000 to 2000. And so this book... <coughs> puts out the hundred most important events and people of the past thousand years. And so it ranks them, the hundred most important. And you know what? Uh, the most important event they rank of the uh, last thousand years was the Gutenberg Bible being printed at the printing press. And that gave the word to everybody. And, that, and you know, that paved the way for the Reformation, the printing press. And Luther's works were published all over, and it, the Reformation spread like wildfire due, due to the printing press. And there was no printing press before that. That was just like uh, 70 years before the Reformation, the printing press came. And so that's the first <coughs> great event of the past thousand years that they have. And then the second great event also paved the way for the Reformation was Columbus discovering America. And of course, that was where people had new horizons. And they were looking beyond the things that were. And they were looking beyond the Roman Catholic Church. And so that paved the way. God was paving the way for the Reformation. And then the number three event they have, which probably sh which should be the number one event, but the number three event they have is the Reformation. They have Luther Knox on the church and puts his 95 theses up against indulgences. And, uh, and this, this 95 theses that Luther put up, they were against indulgences. And the Roman Catholic Church had the doctrine that if you paid money into the church, you could free your family and relatives from purgatory. These were indulgences. And Luther rebelled against that. And how he wondered, this is, of course, this book is a completely secular book. Completely secular, not Christian but they recognized the great event of the Reformation. 
And Martin Luther, how he wondered, could the Vatican promise forgiveness of sins in ex exchange for donations? Forgiveness of sins for donations. And they used to have a saying, as soon as the money clinks in the coffer, a uh, soul springs from purgatory. And, of course, back in those days, it was only the church that had authority. And so Luther went against that. And, you know, the Vatican moved against Luther. They tried to put down Luther, but God protected him. And God protect him, protected him through Frederick, Elector of Saxony. And the ruler in his area of Germany protected him from the Pope. The Pope put a, an anathema on Luther. He said that anybody who, who harbors him, anybody who aids him, will be uh, put to death, be uh, persecuted. And, but uh, Frederick harbored him and protected him, and God protected him uh, and got the Reformation going. And it was a huge event in history the Reformation, and praise the Lord for that. And you know where our freedoms come directly from the Reformation, come down through with Cromwell and the others after the Reformation. And so our freedom to preach the gospel is with us today because of the Reformation. And our freedom of religion and all the other freedoms that we have, our political freedom comes down to us through the Reformation. And so we like to remember the Reformation. You know, uh, people today don't like to re remember the Reformation. They want to have a one-world church. They don't want to talk about the Reformation. They don't want to talk about the split. You know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times when you talk to people in the Roman Catholic Church, they say, well, we have one unified church, but all of you have all these split-up churches. And don't you know we have unity? Well, you know, the thing is, they, that's because they ignore the fact of all the splits that have happened from the Roman Catholic Church. Luther split from the Roman Catholic Church. Calvin split from the Roman Catholic Church. All these people split. And there are splits. So praise the Lord <coughs> for the Reformation. Then let's go down our passage of Acts, Acts chapter 5 again, and let's go down to verse 38, verse 38 of chapter 5 of Acts. And so here we have, they didn't have freedom of religion here, they didn't have freedom to preach the gospel here with the apostles, and verse 38 of Acts chapter 5, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. This is Gamaliel speaking here. And Gamaliel, he was Paul's teacher. Tim mentioned him in Sunday school this morning. And anyway, he was Paul's teacher, and he talked here to the council. Uh, his reasoning was not too great here, really. But anyway, he said... Refrain from these men, let them alone. If this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. Is that true? That if something is of men, it will come to naught? Well, eventually that's true. 
Eventually, in the great scheme of things, in eternity, they're going to come to naught. But you know, false teaching can go on for many, many years and get bigger and bigger. The Jehovah's Witnesses keep on going on, even though their work is false. It's of men. And uh, the false doctrines of the past kept on going. But anyway, he had that reasoning. And then verse 39, But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye found ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So, you know, the angel of the Lord told them to go teach. And what did they get out of that? They got beaten and brought before the council. It didn't work out very well. You know, a lot of people like to measure everything by how well it works out. They measure what's a good church by who has the big crowds. But it's not a measure of how it works out, whether it's good. And here with the apostles, it didn't work out very good for them to go preach. They got beaten, but it was what they should do. And you know, it's a sad situation when we're going to get beaten and persecuted like that for preaching the gospel. And praise the Lord, we have the heritage of the Reformation. And so, at the very end of this passage here, What's the reaction of the apostles? After they're beaten, after they're persecuted, after they've been in prison, what are are they? They're happy. They're happy. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing in that. Kind of hard to rejoice in that, but they did it. And they continued to teach and preach, even though they might get beaten again, or they might get put in prison or killed. Well, you know, there's a saying that's given. There's a saying that's given, it's about reading. And they say that a person uh, who will not read has no advantage over someone who cannot read. And so if we have the ability to read, but we refuse to read, it doesn't do us any good. And if we have the freedom to preach the gospel through the Reformation and we don't use it, it doesn't do us any good. And so what I would like us to see here for a minute is that we need to use that freedom that we have. It comes down to us from the Reformation. We need to use that freedom to give out the gospel. And remember, in our call to worship this morning, we had Acts, I mean, Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And you know, that's a command to all of us, to preach the gospel to every creature. Now, we're not out there preaching every day to every creature, but from time to time, we need to give out the gospel to every creature. And when it says every creature, who's that talking about? Well, I think it's talking about the same thing as in Luke 14, 23, where it says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house 
may be filled. So we go out and preach the gospel to every creature. We go out into the highways and hedges. And who do we find out there? We find strangers. We don't find our acquaintances. We don't find those people that we're in contact with each day. And it says to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. It says go into the highways and hedges. Go. Why does it use the word go? It uses the word go because we're not supposed to sit just where we are. And you know, a lot of Christians have the idea that, well, they will preach the gospel if somebody comes up to them and asks them how to get to heaven. But you know, that rarely happens, very rarely. But we need to go. We need to go make a special effort to give out the gospel to those around us. We have that freedom, that great freedom, and we need to use it. Well, how can we give the gospel out to the people in the highways and hedges? How can we give out the gospel to the ends of the earth? Well, we do that when we go out on Saturday mornings uh, sometimes to give out the gospel with our tracks. And we have tracks. And tracks, I have said a million times, we'll say it again, tracks are the best way to give out the gospel to, the, to every creature, to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And you know, tracts are not overused. How often do you happen upon a tract? How often does somebody give you a tract? Practically never. They're not overused, but they're very good. And they, they get the gospel to people. And, uh, of course, I like to use chick tracks. And, of course, I like the example from our congregation right here of Lisi, who was uh, saved through a tract uh, to a great extent. And, you know, the thing is, is that they are effective, and we need to go out and give the gospel to every creature. Well, on the subject of tracts, uh, you know, there is... Uh, there were people back in the past that advised the use of tracts. Did you know that? Some of the great evangelists of the past. Who would you think of if you think of great evangelists of the past? Great reformed evangelists. Great evangelists that believed in election. You know, some people think that's a contradiction, you know, going out and evangelizing when you believe in election. God's going to save them so we don't have to do anything. Well, you know, how is God going to save them? He's going to save them through us giving the gospel to them. Well, one of the great preachers of the gospel from the past that I think of is Jonathan Edwards. And you know, there was the great awakening in America as a, as a result of the Reformation. A couple hundred years after the Reformation in the 1700s, there was a great awakening. It paved the way for the American Revolution. And you know, Jonathan Edwards was one of the great preachers of the Great Awakening, and he saw the potential of tracts to reach beyond the local communities. And Jonathan Edwards said, By means of printed discourses, not only many in the neighborhood, but others in distant places may be instructed and warned. That's what Jonathan Edwards said. And do you remember his famous sermon? The famous sermon of Jonathan Edwards was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And people got saved through that negative sermon. 
And they have accounts of people grabbing a hold of the pillars of the church, not wanting to slide down into hell. And, you know, God used it mightily. And God used Jonathan Edwards, and he said that printed discourses should be used to give out the gospel. Edwards believed that gospel tracts were a valuable tool and a complement to traditional preaching. And that's Jonathan Edwards. Who else was a great preacher of the, of the Great Awakening? Well, a great evangelist. Well, George Whitfield. George Whitfield was the great preacher there. He was Reformed, Calvinist. And you can see uh, there at Newcastle, Delaware, they have a marker there that he preached there uh, to a big crowd in Newcastle. He preached to Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was very impressed by Whitfield. But anyway, Whitfield, a powerful Christian preacher and evangelist during the Great Awakening, placed great importance on the distribution of tracts. He said, we must use the printing press for the glory of God. And of course, that's back to the first great event of the uh, thousand years, the printing press. Gutenberg's printing press. And was it an accident that Gutenberg printed the Bible as the first book that was printed? That was no accident. And so we must use the printing press. Uh, George Whitfield said, Gospel tracts are a good means to awaken sinners and to confirm and establish those who are seeking the Lord. And so he liked gospel tracts. He liked the printing press. He believed that the written word had the power to spread the gospel message beyond the walls of the church. And so, again, that's where the secular authorities uh, get, it, get mad with indignation back with the apostles and after when the gospel goes out of the walls of the church. And, and George Whitfield said, that tracts had the power to spread the gospel message beyond the walls of the church and to reach people who might not otherwise have access to it. He often printed and distrib distributed tracts himself, urging his followers to do the same. That's what uh, George Whitfield did. In a sermon he preached, he said, I love those souls that are of a public spirit. It's interesting that he says that in connection with tracts. People that are of a public spirit. That means they're not just interested in their own things, in their own local church, but they're interested also in the greater work of the kingdom of God. And you know, giving out tracts around is not going to add people to the local church very well. And that's uh, granted, but it does add some. But it does get out the gospel to every creature. Public-spirited people, George Whitfield loved. I love those who publish abroad the gospel by sermon or tract. The latter are, I think, too much neglected. Tracts are. Why should we not scatter them everywhere? We should scatter tracts everywhere. They are like the leaves of the tree of life for the healing of the nations. That's what George Whitfield said. Scatter them everywhere. As I've said before, we should be like raccoons leaving tracks everywhere. That's what we should be doing. And then who was called the Prince of Preachers? The Prince of Preachers was Charles Spurgeon. 
And he had something to say about tracks. He was a strong advocate for the use of tracks. He said, tracks are more useful than sermons. Can you imagine the prince of preachers, the guy who was the great preacher over there in London, England, and he said, tracks are more useful than sermons. Because most people will read a tract when they will not come to hear a sermon. And you know, somebody can pick up a tract and nobody can see it, and it's all just between them and the Lord, and they read that tract. And then we go on here, he says, Spurgeon also saw the potential of tracts to reach beyond the local communities into different languages and cultures. He was known for his own extensive use of tracts. And then finally, Spurgeon said, if you cannot preach a sermon, you can at least distribute a tract. And that's what uh, Spurgeon said. And so, praise the Lord for the freedom that we have from the Reformation. Praise the Lord for the freedom that we have to preach the gospel. Praise the Lord that we can obey the preaching the gospel to every creature without fear of being put in prison. You know, it's not going to stay that way, probably. Probably there will come a time in the future when we will go to prison for doing that, when we will be uh, persecuted, where we will uh, not be able to do it freely. But, praise the Lord, we have the freedom right now, and we need to use that freedom. Use that freedom that God has given to us. Well, praise the Lord for the Reformation. Praise the Lord for the mighty moving of His Spirit. And praise, praise the Lord uh, for the opportunity to preach the gospel. Let's bow in prayer. O oh Lord, we pray that Thou bless these thoughts to our hearts. O oh Lord, just help us to use the freedom that we have. Help us to use that freedom to preach the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.